The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Jessica Caldwell. Jessica is a film writer and producer living in Connecticut. Jessica's always had an addictive, determined personality which has helped her with her job, but has been tough when it comes to drugs, alcohol, and love. She shares about a time a few years ago when all of that collided for an obsessive romance. Hey, Jess, how's it going? Good. Thanks. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just trying to stay cool in this hot, gross day. Yeah, it's raining. too. Is it? Mm -hmm. That must have just happened Mm -hmm. before I got in here. Cool. Uh, Well, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, yeah, what did you want to talk about today? Well, are you going to tell people how we met first, that you were talking about um, your illicit cocaine use? Oh, yeah, that is how <laughs> that is how, how somebody tried to get me to take cocaine or was, like, upset with me for not taking, mm-hmm. for not doing cocaine. Uh, yeah, we, we both told stories at a Moth Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that was my story about how I'm the most boring drug person and somebody gave me a really hard time for it. Yeah, I really um, like talking about drugs and alcohol and sex. <laughs> so I think you said, to, didn't you say to me like, oh, I was that girl. Yeah, I was like I the girl that, in your yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been her. Yes. Yeah. I related to her. And you told me that I reminded you of Jesse Klein. Jesse Klein. Which was like a really high compliment. Yes. Um, I don't want to set the expectations too high <laughs> for your listeners. <laughs> because I'm, so I'm like a writer and yes. a film producer, but mostly a writer, screenwriter. So I don't do things in, in verbal form too often, yes. besides from the two times I've done them lost, because I had very specific things I wanted to try to say. <laughs> You're like very set um, certain All setups. the talking I do is in the context of 12-step meetings, okay. um, which is for a very specific audience <laughs> that is sort of has to hear what I'm just going to say. Yeah, like that's where you're kind of sharing yeah. your soul yeah. a little bit. And they, uh, yeah, they have to listen, although they could walk out too. Um, so when I was taking the train down from Connecticut, where I now live, unfortunately, to meet you, I was trying to think about how to first um, to like to to bring up like a story for you, and I was thinking about the um, the classic American movie Trainwreck, yes. and there's a line in that movie that sticks with me where Amy Schumer says, um, "You don't marry the guy that you had the best sex of your life with," and so I was thinking a lot about the guy that I had the best sex of my <laughs> life with. I don't know if that's like normally a topic people talk about. Maybe not like, I don't know if it's come up a ton on this podcast, but I think people talk about that in general. Um, this is going to like segue into like a guys we fucked podcast. Yeah. But like, this is like very one, like one very like specific story. And it sort of dovetails with like my like rampant drunk and alcohol use and, and which I'm five years sober from. So like, um, so just a, I'm from like a small island off of Maine. Okay. It was like a lobstering and fishing island of like 700 people. What island? It's called Ors, O-R-R-S. Okay. I was like pretty straight edge all through like high school. And then I came to New York and went to college when I was 16. Whoa. Yeah. So, um, and that's when I sort of started doing and trying everything. I kind of joke like anything and everything I could put in my mouth, like drugs, dicks, alcohol, <laughs> yeah. food, just like, like everything. Everything. Like, like I was on my was own like, and I was go. like, I have arrived. Like this, just give me everything. I want to try anything and everything at once, right? Yeah. And so 
I went to Manhattan Law College and purchased and um, it was like not that challenging. I wanted to go to school in New York. I wanted to go to NYU. My parents were like trying to go to a school like close to New York, but not in New York City. And um, I was in college from 16 to 19. I did it in three years. I graduated Man. and I moved to New York City proper, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is like when my like drug and alcohol use really ramped up. Okay. Because like all my friends were still in college. Because keep in mind now I graduated high school early. I graduated college early. All my friends are still in college for two more years. I graduated. I moved to New York City. I'm living in Manhattan. Actually, just a block south of here on 31st Street. And living on my cousin's couch. I'm 19. And I start like drinking in bars like any 19-year-old girl would do, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a screenwriter. I'm going to like, 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 in, like, I wasn't like clubbing and like, fantastic, fabulous places. I was, like, going to dirty bars that would, like, take my fake IDs and, like, talking to whatever, like, grungy people were there. And Yeah, you were just, like, you wanted to, like, be in the scene of this New like, York yeah, world. Yeah, live yeah. and whatever. And I wanted to, to, like, you know, I sort of had that romanticized idea of what it was like to be a writer and get material yes. and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, living experiences out in the world and being like, oh, I'll write about these things and just, like, experience the world around me. Exactly. So um, I worked for a year at a nonprofit and I was like a secretary, but just still, again, just had like disposable income drinking and drugging a lot. And, um, then I got into Columbia, uh, to the film program there. And at the time I was like the youngest person they'd ever accepted. And like their grad program, their graduate film school. Right. And so when I started there, I was 20, I couldn't even like legally drink yet. And by then (laughs) I was already like a professional high functioning alcoholic, like daily drinker. Um, in AA, there's this thing about like you're an uh, an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, that's okay. or a piece of shit at the center of the universe. <laughs> Those are what I was. I had this like huge ego that I was all that in a bag of chips, and that I was like hot and the youngest person who came to this school and blah blah blah. But like somebody could say something about me, and I could like just in a second be like brought down. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I was extremely fragile. I was yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. young and like, it was almost like a false confidence. And was a lot of it, do you think riding on like just drinking a lot and that kind of mindset that you were putting, like, was it alcohol that was like leading to that mindset, I guess, or was it just like a, everything about what you were dealing with? I mean, alcohol time? definitely made me feel like the person I wanted to be. Yeah. Doesn't everybody feel like but that it, yeah, when they yeah, have yeah. like just the right amount of like, there's a point where you've had like two and a half cocktails and like you're feeling just like perfect and warm and beautiful and confident and you're funny and you're talking to everybody, but nobody stops there. Like at least I never stopped there. I always just like sailed right by there. And yeah. Like, so you're riding that confidence until somebody, until you have that moment of just like falling apart and crashing. Time what I'm saying is it's very easy for me to crash. Like yeah. the smallest thing would set you off. Would set yeah. me off. So I could go from being like the king of the world to just like crying in a cab home or like, do you know what I mean? Like yes. unable to get out yeah, of bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like from one moment to the next, it was like a swing pendulum of emotions. Like what people call now a hot mess, like a very yeah, hot mess, yeah. you know, like the, you see, I saw a girl just on the subway now when I was coming here, like a girl just sobbing on the subway. Like <laughs> New York city is so great for that. You just see girls just sobbing on the subway and like, only, I've only been in Connecticut two years, but you don't get that. Like, yeah, that's the thing you're missing. I'm missing being, just being like the beautiful sobbing girl on the subway in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh, God, I miss New York City. Like <laughs> just the emotion, you know, it's so wonderful. Um, it's a lot of high highs and low lows. Mm-hmm. That is like, yeah. Nobody's just, even looking at her or bothering her. And she's yeah. just like doing her thing. And I like, just wanted to like take, take a little bit of that. Um, anyway, so my second year of grad school, there's like the new incoming class of like, 
let's say like the first year people, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not necessarily younger than me. Cause as you know, in grad yes. school, like there's like a big range of ages. You could be like me 20 or you could be 50. Yes. But usually people are in their thirties or so, but like there's young and hot, like younger and, and older. And so we had this mixer with like the newer kids coming in and, um, there's this guy that I just thought was super fucking hot. This like Brazilian filmmaker. I'm not even going to fucking say his name because he doesn't deserve it. But like, <laughs> he, um, I just thought he was really hot. And I went up to him with like my classic pickup line of that era, which is, you're hot. I think we should fuck. <laughs> just right. Direction to the point. Uh, I, I like, this was before I was on dating apps and stuff, but I used to always just like be like crazy blunt. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just like my thing. I was just like, and he was sort of like stunned. I thought he looked like Javier Bardem or something like this, like this, like Brazilian, whatever, like whatever. And I was just like, I was drunk, of course, because we're at a mixer. And I'm always the person at the mixer who's like, drink as much wine as possible before it goes away. Yeah, like, like take advantage of this. I've learned now in AA that like most people don't think like that. But if I'm at an open thing and I see like six bottles of wine, I'm like, that's not enough. I'm going to drink two of those myself. But I was like, get as much into me as possible. And then go find the hottest guy and ask him to have sex with you. Like, that was, like, my MO, right? So I see this guy, and I'm like, you're really hot. I think we should have sex. And he just looked at me really stunned. And, like, I, I think he was flattered. I'm, I'm, like, have a little bit of a hazy recollection of this because I was obviously drunk. Yeah. But um, he said something along the lines of, I'm super flattered. Um, I think you're attractive, too. But uh, just so you know, like, I recently just broke off an engagement. Oh man, that's yeah, that's <laughs> and um, I'm really like, you know, I'm just not, just you know, I'm just coming off of this engagement, and it's, it's, I'm just not in a super good place right now. And I was just like, I really don't care. Yeah, like that. Those those details don't matter. Yeah, I was like, this is like <laughs> to the setup. You I could just be gave you, you could be speaking in Portuguese right now for all <laughs> I care. Like I do not give a fuck. Like, and so, um. He was a director in the program, and I was a producer in the program. Okay. And so what I drunkenly agreed to do was start producing his work for him. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I had also gotten, I had done something almost like pretty much unheard of in that program, which was this like um, thing that I had produced my first year for another director in the program in like a different class. It was a short film, and like, got into Sundance. Like the first short oh. film I ever produced got into Sundance, which is like good. crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even a good, as a sh I'm, I'm sorry to her. Like I was not a good producer at that time. I was just figuring shit out. It was by like, just like luck that this thing got into Sundance, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden you have this like. I had some clout. I yeah. was like the youngest person in this program. We just got a short film into Sundance. And I was like, I'm going to produce your first year project. I just wanted to fuck him. Yeah. You know and what I like, mean? This is my route into fucking him. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, you don't want to do that. You just like, you're like a Sundance filmmaker or whatever. Like, you don't want to produce my first year project. I was like, conversation's over. I'm going to produce it, right? And so that's what I did, basically. So let's say this was like October, November, whatever, the fall. And that December, I pretty much like, like moved into his apartment. <laughs> because I have the very hands-on producing approach, right? Got the keys to his place. Um, we started location scouting, we started casting, getting the crew together. He was working on the script and I was like, 
basically like the best producer ever for this first year exercise, which didn't even have to be like yeah. <laughs> have this much hands on attention. And no, it's not like normal for like your producer to like have the keys to your place and like the doorman knew me and like Yeah, so you just like totally inserted yourself into completely his world. inserted myself into his world to the point where like I was obsessed. I was addicted to the point where like I was gonna show him that I was like not only the best producer, but through showing him I was the best producer, I was going to be like the best girlfriend, right? Yeah. So it was, it was all, not like all, cause you still have this like producer thing inside of you that you're just works. Like that's how your brain works and you're doing that stuff. But your whole intention is to like show him that like I am worth dating or fucking or whatever the level of thing that you wanted at that point. Yeah. 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 And so we did end up, sleeping together, right? So after, like, our first, like, location scout or whatever, we stopped somewhere to get some drinks. And, like, that's when, like, for me, like, the chemical change happens. Like, when I put alcohol into my body, I, like, fundamentally change. And, like, there is, like, no stopping me. Like, I feel like I'm Michelle Obama. I feel like I'm, you know, like, Kate Moss. I feel like I'm, like, yeah. I can do fucking anything. Like, I can run through that wall. Um, And so I was just so determined. And I think I just started, like, grabbing his cock over his pants, which is another move I used to do <laughs> in bars where you just kind of do like, like the old tap. Yeah. You're making things very clear. Yeah. Like the little like tap, tap. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever done that to me, but, uh, I can, I I'm can giving away it. all my secrets. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> little tap, tap, tap on the, on the, the shaft. And, yeah. um, and he, I forget what he was just saying. Like he, I don't know if he was saying I was like a mermaid or a siren or something. He basically was saying that I was like nonstop, that I was just like sucking him in, which is, is exactly what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, you had this very clear intention of what you wanted yes. to do and you were not stopping because of just where you were at that point with alcohol and whatever and just like, I have a focus yeah. and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, and unbeknownst to me, I figured out later because I, I got to know him a lot better. Like he did really have like a fiance who was like, going to move to New York and move into his apartment with him, and they'd even gotten like couples grad school housing from Columbia. Like it was like a whole yeah, it was, it a, was very a serious, serious thing that had really ended like legitimately right before we had met. But um, I didn't care. I was an incredibly selfish person. <laughs> like I was being selfish in but appearing to be like I'm doing all this for you. I'm taking all this time. To yeah. like do all this stuff for you to produce your film, not doing my own work in my own program. And so I produced this short film for me. I produced this short film for him. I like essentially moved into his apartment and it got bad. It got to the point where I would, I gave him furniture. I gave him money. I cleaned, I would clean his apartment top to bottom when he was in class. I would cook meals for him. I would go to his apartment when he was in class. I would like, the doorman would let me in and I would just like, like wife it up somehow. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it feels like this weird, I guess it's, again, it's that like single, uh, that like almost like addictive personality thing you mentioned before. Like this guy almost like became your addiction at this point, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. like. And weirdly when I was in that mode with him and like we could sometimes like be in his like apartment like a whole weekend just like hooking up and watching movies and like I actually wouldn't have to drink that much because like he was like that drug in that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we can talk about the sex in a second because that was really addictive <laughs> yeah. in its own way. But, like, when I think back on that time, like, I wasn't always, like, super wasted around him because, like, I didn't have to be. Yeah, well, the times you were actually with him was, like, that he was giving you the thing that when he was gone, like, alcohol was filling in for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was I was so – and I, I, in the same time, like, I was prioritizing all of his stuff before my own, right? Yeah. So you were, like, throwing yourself into this thing 
fully. 100, 120%. Yeah. And I would like, I truly believe like I was in love with this person. Now I look back on it and I wonder if that's real or if it was like obsession. Cause like, I think that obsession and addiction is a real thing too. But I really at the time believed I was wholeheartedly in love. Right. Yeah. Which it seems like even regardless of those feelings, like where he was at was pretty much at a different place than like where you, like where he could have been at, I guess, based on like his whole situation at the time. Yeah. And he would say things back like, I really like you. I really love you as a friend. I think you're beautiful and smart and talented and all these things, but like, I cannot be your boyfriend right now. Like I just got out of this thing. I like love you as a friend and respect you far too much to like pretend to be your boyfriend right now. Like I, I can't pretend that with you. Like I respect you too much. Yeah. But then I guess like you're hooking up in that process too, where that's like complicated. legitimately didn't hear it. He would say like, I cannot be your boyfriend right now. And I would just not hear it. It was like in one ear out the other. And I was like, no, I'll just will this to happen. Like I've willed everything else in my life to happen. Yeah. Cause you're just playing, you're still this like young person who just has a ton of confidence and you're just like, yeah. I can do this. I can mm-hmm. do this. I can do this. And you're generally making that stuff happen. Even yeah. if it's not always like you, you're just kind of getting these opportunities that you said, like the Sundance thing kind of just like worked out in your favor and this you're and this getting and that. into yeah. this grad school yeah. and like, so you're, you're are like, there's, there's obvious work that's going into it, but then you're also getting these like extra little things happening to you where you're just like, I am like untouchable mm-hmm. in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I could just steam my roll my way through anything if I try hard. Yes. Yeah. Like just committing to a thing means that you'll get it. And like, I don't know if this makes sense, but like if you do enough drugs and drink enough, like I don't even really believe in like proper God with like a G-O-D but I was like how could God like allow me to feel this intensely for somebody and like not let it be reciprocated like no just God would allow that (laughs) you know that's how like fucking dramatic I was like I was just like that's impossible yeah it's just impossible we're just on different timelines like he's gonna get there basically like there's absolutely no way that this will not be reciprocated eventually yeah I just got to make him see like how good I can clean his floor and produce his movie and cook him dinner. Yeah. Cause everything in your head was like, even though he's saying that he can't be this person right now, I can convince him that this can work. Mm-hmm. Like that was your mindset. Yeah. So like, and like, I mean, and like, again, like I think like for, I don't know if it works like this way for men, you can tell me if it is, if it does, um, if you want to talk about your sex life too, but I mean, you're hosting a podcast, so that calls love, love loves hurt, love hurts. So yeah. like, Basically, like, I think when women have really amazing mind-blowing sex, like, something changes in them. Like, they become, like, chemically, like, something, like, fundamentally changes. And he did something that I think is, like, criminally unfair when you're having sex with a woman that you don't actually love, which is to talk about love when you're fucking them. Oh, yeah. And I've heard since then now in my adult life that this is a thing men do. And I'm here to say as a PSA, that's a really fucking mean thing to do to a woman. So it's like openly talking about his like, feelings for you as... In the context of intercourse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only in the context of intercourse. As like a sexy talk kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So using that moment to like give these intense kind of feeling yes. terms that are only coming up in those moments. Correct. Yeah, that seems like it would be... That's wrong, right? It's highly manipulative and super unfair. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, then you you in that moment are just kind of like taking in everything and stuff is happening and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, he's saying this. And it's just like trying to then, yeah, be able to like separate that from that act. Yeah, yeah. And I I heard after then a few like really mean, 
like really hurtful things, which is one that this is something he does in particular. Okay. This yeah. is like something he does as a part of his like sexual yeah, life. Yeah, feels, yeah, feels manipulative. So bad. Yeah. And also I've heard that this is just a thing that some men do, which is like talk about loving somebody just in the context of intercourse, like as a part of their like yeah. sex. Yeah. Which I think is so fucked up because like women hear these things and like we internalize yeah, them. Yeah, you're saying something that means something. Like, yeah. It's so fucked That's up. tough. That's so I, of course... Yeah, I mean, I was like losing my mind. I was, I was like ready to like, if he was like, if he like told me to murder somebody, I was like ready to do it. Like I was like converted to the cult. Yeah. I was obsessed. And then I had this person who was like, look into my eyes, like, tell me you love me. Like, yeah, you're getting these very intimate moments at these points in time where you're like, even though he's saying, I can't be your boyfriend, I can't be this. You're getting these moments that are like, well, that was something like there has to be real. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like, no, you're, let's compartmentalize it. That's just sex. <laughs> like, is it? It's like what he's saying is flat out conflicting, right? In these two moments. Yeah. And it'd be hard to not at least take some of that at face value mm-hmm. to just say like, oh no, that's just something I say then. That seems like not. I was so, I know. I was, I was, I mean, I felt drugged by it. So like, yeah. um, and then I also like, I don't, God, it's, it's funny to say this. I haven't really said it out loud that much, but I think I had my only like, I mean, I've orgasmed with people before, but it was like my only um, vaginal orgasm. Oh, like. Like penetratively. Like, yeah, like during insertion. Yeah, not just from like rubbing one out with uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was like intense also. Like, and I've been with quite a few people and that's like a hard thing to achieve. And so for women, women know that's like a yeah, hard yeah, thing yeah. to achieve. So like. That I was just like so intoxicated by this whole thing. Yeah, there's this other element where you're experiencing things you've never mm-hmm. experienced before and you're like, whoa, this person is doing this to me and that's like adding to the feelings you're already having for this person. Right. So again, Amy Schumer, you do not marry the person you had the best sex of your life with. Like, I truly believe like, I'm not the person I was meant to be with this person. Do you know what I mean? Like, this was somebody I was like, putting everything in front of myself yeah. for, correct? Like the summer between our second and third, my second and third year of grad school, there's this like culminative, culminate, culminative, culminative, I don't know, project which for the, um, for, for his class, the year younger, it's called their like, um, let's just say, it's like their, their whatever. Kind of like capstone or whatever. Yeah, like. yeah. It's like, like the end of their year project. Yeah, 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 and yeah. again, I'm a year ahead, so I don't have to do it. But they have to do it. And him and a bunch of his friends were going down to Brazil to make all of their films. And I really, really, really wanted to go with them and produce them all. Okay. Because I'm a very good short film producer. Yes, it's like you have this like skill set, but you're also like, I just want to be with this guy. I want to go follow you down to Brazil, produce you and all your friends' movies. And he was just like, no, you cannot come. Like, you can't. This is not the right thing to do. Yeah. Um. And so that was sort of like the definitive like end of it. So it was like kind of like the length of like, let's say one school year, even though like, I think we probably poked up a little bit after that. This was like the definitive end of this like obsessive period. And I of course was devastated and like sobbing, like I told you, like into the bath mat sobbing into like, you know, the sheet sobbing and just like so painful where you're like convulsing and everything's coming out of you, like emptying, like heaving, face puffy, blah, gross. Um, I remember, cause like 
I was like a pretty bad person at that time. Because um, obviously he would all along, if I think back on it, from the very first time we met, he was saying, this isn't right. Yeah, I it was like literally your first yeah, conversation where you said, hey, I'm into you and I want to fuck you. He so he like, really didn't like do anything that wrong, except, you know, talk about love while we were fucking. Yeah, there was some. But, <laughs> but um, I was like, I'm going to think of the absolute meanest thing that I can say to make him really hurt, to just like make him feel like a little like taste of how much I hurt right now. And so it wasn't exactly in this moment of us making this break. It was a bit later because I like worked up to this a little bit, but I basically told him in like an email or a text message that he was not talented, that he would never be a successful filmmaker, that he would end up being a teacher, that because I wasn't there to produce him, his stuff and take him to the next level with all the connections I had at all these film festivals and blah, 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 that he was never going to be anything. <laughs> Man. I like was like, this will be, because he already did teach sometimes, like yeah, classes so you, and stuff. And so it was like already something of his. And he was always broke and sh- and like scrounging shit together and always like, and I, and I knew it was like a soft spot for him. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to take this knife this. Yeah. and dig it right in and just like twist it as many times as I can do it. And like, that's a really mean thing to do to somebody. Yeah, especially somebody who's in that creative world and yeah, it's trying to make something of themselves. It's really horrible. And I, and I know, I forget exactly what he said back to me, but I, I know it was hurtful to him. So that's what happened. Um, the f- funny thing is, is like that summer, I ended up raising $1.3 million to make my first feature movie. And so he's absolutely right that going to Brazil was not the right thing for me to do. Because like, I had been making all these short films. Yeah. And then that summer even though I was devastated, I was like also just so determined to be successful. And I did end up like with one of my collaborators who's still one of my collaborators today, Rebecca Thomas, she's incredible. She wrote and directed a script and I raised the money for it and we made our first feature film, which premiered at Berlin and South by Southwest and we sold it and it was like on Amazon and it was in limited theaters (laughs) and blah, blah, blah and all this shit. And I 100% believe it wouldn't have happened if I had gone to Brazil. Yeah, it's that weird thing where like the obsession you put towards him then became this obsession you put towards making another thing of like being in your creative person. And it was like my first feature film. It wasn't a short film. It was like what we led into the industry to get agents and managers and all these things. And like it still was not like an upward trajectory from there. It's still been very much a roller coaster yeah. of up and downs over the years. But like when I think about like what would have happened if I had just followed him to like South America and like that didn't happen, like it would have been a very different thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It kind of like opened up your creative potential. And at, there were still times when we were location scouting in like Nevada or Utah when like I got a text message from him or something. And I was just like crying in the bathroom stall over Burger King. Like, oh, like I'll never be loved. I'll never have like... That again, I'll never find that again. Yeah. But um, but it's weird. I don't, there's been a couple of times in my life where like I've been so determined because I just want to be like fucking more successful than somebody. And like, I don't, that's like a weird thing to admit. And I don't think it's a good thing. But in, in that moment, I was just so fucking determined. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like that, it's sort of how you can turn that kind of like obsessive addictive thing into a positive thing that exists Mm -hmm. in you right i guess it's like a a, a way to use it for good even though it comes in this place of like 
I'm going to do something that's going to make this person feel bad because I've like done this amazing thing and I'm going to be better than them. Yeah. <laughs> it like sort of still benefits you. It's like, I guess it's a, it's a competitive, it's such like a competitive thing, right? That, I mean, people are competitive. Yeah. And then, so I think over like the year that that movie came out, maybe I, I like hooked up with them or saw them one or two times. Okay. So it, so it wasn't completely Mm-mm. like a clean break after that. No. But I haven't seen him now in probably seven years or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been a really long time since the movie came out, that first movie. And I've made three features since, and now I'm screenwriting full-time yeah. for TV and stuff. So, like, um, I did hear from him once when my father died last year. He sent me an email, which I'm not even totally sure how he found out. Maybe just through mutual people that my dad passed away. And even that, like, it gives you a little pause when you see, like, an email from somebody yeah, because it probably throws you back into all those emotions in a yeah. way. Like you could just put yourself. I'm back like in married that place. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, like yeah, a yeah. different woman. I'm sober. I'm married. Yeah, yeah. I'm like different. your world now is totally different than what it was during this period of time. But then mm-hmm. you see this person who existed in that period of time, or an email from this person that existed in this period of time, and you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you, like this time again was like with so much of every part of you was defined kind of by alcohol at times and Mm -hmm. you were saying it wasn't as pronounced when you were with this guy because he was sort of like your obsession but like when you eventually got sober I guess it was like a few years after this but yeah five years after so okay it got a lot worse yeah drinking and drug use nosedived after okay so and do you think there was like an element of kind of losing this person felt like I'm just going to push myself like deeper into this yeah, for Fist sure. For a little bit. I mean, he wasn't the only guy that I drank at, but there was a couple of men in my life, him being one of them, that I would drink at. Yeah. And be like, fuck men. Men have always hurt me. They've always taken advantage of me and used me and not loved me. I'm just going to be a fucking train wreck. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm going to drink as much as I want, sleep with whoever I want. I'm going to like kill it in my work and just you know, drink and fuck and do whatever I want. I mean, like I would kind of drink at men and just be like, fuck men. They've always hurt me. And, um, and just like very, like shut myself off to like the intimacy of it and being like that very cold sort of like either Amy Schumer or Lena Dunham or very like, that's why I like relate to those characters so much because like I've been there, like where you're just like, you develop this thick skin because like you've tried and failed and you're like, fuck it. I'm not going to open myself up to that again. Yeah. It's like not fully, it's kind of like ignoring those deeper feelings in a way and just saying like, yeah, men suck. And mm-hmm. this is my way of dealing with that. The Fleabag. I love Fleabag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just, right I just finished the second season of that and it was so a delight. Um, so good. So like for you now, I know you're like, you've been married for a few years mm-hmm. and you're, you live in Connecticut. Oh, like yeah. Your, your world. That part I don't love. But yeah, yeah. 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 I guess what's the biggest thing for you that's changed like how you look at love now than when it was like at this point in time when you were like, you'd throw yourself into these things that wouldn't necessarily work and how things. Well, I don't, I don't think I would call that love anymore, even though yeah. I did at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I guess that's like yeah. how your definition of love has kind of changed. Totally changed. Right? Yeah. Even at the time I thought I was, oh my God, in love. Um, I don't think I would call it that anymore. Yeah. I think I was like totally like in obsession, passion, addiction, all those things. Um, I don't think it can, it's like that if it's like not like reciprocal in that way. Yeah. It's not in like a healthy, supportive, like, like I feel like I'm an adult now. Like I turned 30 last year and I'm like a woman, like, you know, I yeah. feel like I'm like very different. <laughs> like I have like, you know, like 
a husband who knows everything about me and is not judgmental of me and supports me. And it's like, it's so deep on such a different level that, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's, you can't even really compare it. And of course it doesn't always have like the excitement of fucking a stranger in a taxi cab and you don't know their name. And of course, like you don't have that, but that's not like sustainable. Like yeah. I, I, I compare that with like my drinking and drug use, which I always compare in AA meetings to like running on a treadmill. And like my use was like ramping up the speed, like up, 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 and I'm running. I can run faster and faster and faster. And there's a certain extent where I'm running faster and faster and faster. And eventually I'm just going to fall. I'm just going to yeah. fall off the treadmill. It's not sustainable. And so like what I have with my partner now, my husband is like sustainable. It just grows and gets better and deeper. Yes. So it wasn't this like, yeah, kind of like adrenaline hit of love. It became this thing that like consistently is part of you versus like this huge up and down that kind of was existing in your old definition of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, even me, like, and I like my college girlfriend, right? Who I like first person I said, I love you too. It's like, yeah, I think the way that I loved her is probably different than how I see love now today at 30. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if I'd go to the point where like, oh, the thing that I felt for her wasn't love. But I think it's like, yeah, the way I see love is sort of different now. And it probably was that at that time. But yeah, it's a different thing now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like probably happens for a lot of people. But yeah, you're. it feels like you definitely had like, a bigger journey to figure out like what love was for you in mm -hmm. kind of like coming to that realization, I guess. Yeah. And at least for me, I couldn't do it when I didn't have like a totally clear head. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying everybody has to be sober. Of course yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Of course there's people who can use safely and I, I just am not one of them. But like for me, I don't think, like, I could never, when I was using, like, just feel feelings, like, I was always, like, obstructing them and making, like, highs higher, lows lowers. If I was bored, I didn't want to be bored. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was always going up or going down or, like, changing the way I felt. And so I never really felt anything, like, pure, like, emotion-wise. Yeah. And so I had to be, like, totally clear of all that to, like, really understand what that was, to love somebody and to feel for somebody and to be in a relationship in a genuine, authentic way. Yeah. And so I don't think I was ever capable of doing that before. So, so you've grown. I certainly have. I still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I still yeah, definitely like have a lot of work to do. I'm not all. done. I've yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. I've done. Yeah. But um, and I think then the trick then is like, you know, it's just totally different than like I've only been married a year and a half. And it's like, how do you make something an amazing, exciting, growing relationship for you like your whole life? That's very scary and daunting in its own way. Yeah. Like even if you have this kind of idea of what love is now that's still going to shape and change over the next whatever years of your life right it's like totally. that's you're gonna figure it out yeah, yeah. cool well thanks <laughs> so much for sharing sure thank you thanks for having me yeah um i know you said you're like you produce and write is there if people want to like find more about you can they go to a website or follow you anywhere i have like twitter and instagram yeah, and yeah. that kind of stuff you okay. can find me there okay i don't have like a website okay yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. 
Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. Love Hurts.